Welcome to the Draft Deeper Podcast. This is your host, Nathan Grubel. Joining me as always is my producer, Kevin Black. I got to get used to saying another name, too, because this is the very first episode. I have a brand new co-host on the Draft Deeper Podcast coming over from Draft Capital, joining the No Ceilings family, Mr. Stephen Gillespie. I'll give you the first intro before we welcome the guest. How you doing, Stephen? Man, Nathan, I'm doing awesome. It, I, I keep saying it. I, I'm not going to get tired of saying it. Y'all are probably tired of hearing it, but I'm so happy to be a part of the No Ceilings community. You know, I, I've known you guys for a while, and Nathan, you and I go way back when I was doing Breaking the Game, and I would bring you on for, for draft coverage. But I'm excited to be here, excited to be the new co-host. This is a great show, man, and No Ceilings is a great team. I'm happy to be here. I think it's the biggest win for the audience so that nobody has to listen to me do a solo pod for two and a half hours again. So that, I, they, though everyone else is the real winner here. Um, it's the one-stop shop now for our comparative big boards thing that we were doing all season long, right? So, I mean, it just it makes it easier for everybody. Oh, we got we got great plans for, for the big board in, in, in tow, a, a multi-week series that we're going to be doing big board comparisons. So I can't wait for that. But tonight... I'll get back to, to the regular schedule programming here a little bit. It's it's Monday. We're recording this on a Monday, so you know who's also here. Tyler Rucker, a.k.a. Backcourt Violation, here to talk about what the hell did Nate write in his morning dunk this morning. So, Rucker, how you doing? I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm ready to get after this. Steven, congratulations. I know you guys are going to hit the ground running and really, really make some noise during this draft cycle. So, um, just another exciting Monday to get after and talk about some college hoops, some draft prospects, and of course the morning dunk. How are you guys doing? Everything good? See, Rucker, I Rucker see. thinks that he's like getting away from being on this podcast now just because I brought Steven <laughs> on. He, he he's not going anywhere. He's 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 a celebrity at this point. Every everybody everybody wants him. He has everybody's attention, and he's not going anywhere. I'm keeping him here. So yeah, you're I not getting off that bad easy. boy of Twitter. He's the I bad can, boy of Twitter, and now he's going to catch it from all angles here. I cannot hide from anything draft related right now. It's coming whether I want to try to stop it. So I'm, I'm in for the long haul. Let's, let's turn it up another level. So speaking of, of draft coverage, if you missed our No Ceilings live stream that we did yesterday on Selection Sunday, first of all, you can catch the video replay of that stream right in my morning dunk column. If you haven't read that already at NoCeilingsNBA.com, please go ahead and do so. But you can also listen to the stream as a podcast episode. We put it on the No Ceilings podcast feed. We wanted to make sure everybody got our thoughts on not just what happened Selection Sunday in terms of how the bracket broke out, but really how we wanted to design that show was we wanted to talk draft-specific topics in relation to the bracket and the teams playing in the NCAA tournament and all that good stuff. So we talked about Virtually every player I could think of who was inside of my top 30, I made sure to frame the show around a whole bunch of different prospects. And what we're going to do tonight is probably a little more on brand to what you would expect for a March Madness preview show. Draft Deeper Bracketology. Yes, this is exactly what you came to Draft Deeper for. You came here to, to hear us break down our brackets and try to tell you how to pick your bracket to win some money. I don't know. Listen, some years. I'm great at picking a bracket. Majority of the years, my bracket's in flames. Not on day one. Day two is always, I don't know about you boys, day two is always when my bracket bursts. What about you, Steven? Yeah, man. It it You kind of get lulled to sleep when you're filling out your bracket. You know, you 
you might lose a game or two and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. You wake up the next day, you stroll into wherever you're working, you're talking with your boys and you're like, yeah, I don't know about y'all, but I did pretty good yesterday. And then you start feeling a little bit more comfortable and confident and throwing out your your predictions and your projections. And then day two hits and you're just like, holy crap, this team I had going on a deep run, scaring everybody. They're out now. So your whole bracket's busted, at least in one segment of it, right? Or one region. So day two is always a, a, a big buster for me, man. Rucker, you're one of the sharks at, at no ceilings. Are, are you winning a lot of bracket pools over there or what? I mean, I'm usually pretty good, but day one, I feel pretty confident about the first round. But I'm like you, Nathan. When when you get to day two, you, you do not <laughs> sleep well. You wake up a little scared. And then all of a sudden, you I feel like midway of day two, when you're really rolling, you're like, okay, I might have this in the bag. And then all of a sudden, like three upsets happen. And it's like, okay, right. there, there goes my entire bracket. You know, my final four team somehow is out now. But um it's going to be a really fun year. I, I think there's a lot of teams that could potentially make a deep run. And there's some teams that are lower seeds that I, I like a lot. And I, I think it could be a, a crazy March Madness if it isn't already. Um, I really do think there's some really fascinating teams and prospects that we're probably going to talk about. So what we're going to do is we're going to go region by region. We're going to briefly talk about some of the games that I made sure to highlight in my morning dunk column. And then we're going to go through and we're actually going to pick each region. And then we're going to get to the final four near the end of the show. And we're going to, we're going to pick our champions. We're going to give our bracket predictions on this episode. Now Rucker will be joining Steven and I every Monday through the tournament. So we'll be able to come back and, and revisit and look at what's to come, but these are our official bracket predictions just how i'm filling it out so if you boys are ready we might as well jump in with the region that the region of death i I don't know i don't know what you want to call this but this this west region holy hell i mean i i wanted to make sure the first two games that i highlighted in the west region contained number one gonzaga and number two duke and it is absolutely wild to me that the game at the beginning of the year November 29th, I believe it was, in Las Vegas. Gonzaga and Duke were facing off against each other, and everyone was saying that that game was going to be the career. And in a lot of different ways, it was one of the best matchups I think I've seen in the month of November in quite some time. And makers are giving those two teams another chance to potentially face off in the Elite Eight with a trip to the Final Four on the line talk about drama but first those two teams would have to actually get there and we'll see if anybody actually picks that elite eight matchup in terms of us three tonight but we talk about number one gonzaga against georgia state who's the 16th seed in the west you have number two duke against number 15 seed csu fullerton steven i'll start with you is there is there any chance that either of those two teams gets upset the first game I mean, there's always a, a chance, I guess, like a puncher's chance, but I would, I might not even, I, I mean, I probably still would, but I might not even watch college basketball anymore after that, at least for a day. I might need a day just to recover from Gonzaga or Duke game getting beaten the first round. I mean, both of these teams, we want to see them score off against each other in theory, but, you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't see Georgia State or Cal State Fullerton 
being a team to upset either one of those teams. Maybe later in the tournament they get upset, but but not right now. Rucker, I would say it's pretty safe to say that Gonzaga probably moves on. And and to an extent, Duke should obviously be moving on. But I'll tell you what, you and I and everyone else at No Ceilings have had conversations over the last week about, you know, Paolo Bencaro hasn't been living up to the draft hype. A- AJ Griffin's looked pretty good, but he Paolo's really had to have been had to have been carried in, in some aspects by AJ, by Mark Williams, by Trevor Keels at times, by Wendell Moore, like Paolo, especially on defense. He has not been the type of I would expect him to see over the last few weeks. And that really showed that, I mean, that, that loss to Virginia Tech in the ACC tournament final, that, that was really hard to watch. Um, this team is looking very beatable right now. So Duke has lost to a 15 seed before. Shout out my 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 Lehigh team in my backyard. Like it, it has happened. It's not out of their own possibility. Do you see any chance that Duke could lose early on? And and what what would be some of the things that you'd be looking for from Duke to prove themselves? Like no, they're probably not going to be upset pretty early on. They can actually make a deep run. Yeah, I I think they got a shot to get a little rude awakening because you know they were rattling off. It, it it's been an inconsistent year. For Duke, they've been yeah. up and down. It's been a roller coaster. You're talking about a team that arguably has the most talented roster in the entire country. Um, you know, potentially going to have four first round picks, um, maybe even five. You, you never know. Um, and, and it's just been so strange because they were had a couple of bad losses earlier in the year, like close games. Then they rattled off like six straight wins, and you're kind of like, uh oh, okay, Duke's starting to find their groove. And then they had, you know, two disappointing losses lately with North Carolina that blow out. And like you said, the Virginia Tech game. So they're just all over the place. And and it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of consistency with this team. Um, Paulo's been up and down. Um, I I think it's Corey Corey did not mince words last night about Paolo, by the way, on our stream. He was he he came out and said it or, or, or did that take you back a little bit with what he said? Are you agreeing with him? I don't know. I'm still on the fence with Paulo. Um, I still have him third on my board, but it's trending the other way. Um, I still think the talent's incredible. He's really taken some strides as a playmaker in the second half of the season. But I do think this Duke team, you know, if they don't figure out stuff in a hurry, um, they could be upset soon. Um, that second round game against Michigan State, like, how fitting would it be if Tom Izzo is is the one to send Coach K packing for the rest of his you know basketball coaching career? So it's also not going to surprise me if Duke goes on a really deep run. Um, if all of a sudden things just click and maybe a couple of those players get really hot, but I do think that's the team of these two squads we're talking about with Gonzaga and Duke. I think Duke's on thin ice right now, and it's going to be very interesting to watch them moving forward. Steven, you're you're the draft deeper co-host and taking on the draft deeper mantle. It means that we are quite literally going to go deeper in the draft. That's what we do here. We talk about guys who aren't just one, two, three, four, five on the big board. Anybody in either matchup in terms of looking at Gonzaga or Duke, anybody who's not Palo Bencaro or Chet Holmgren you're interested in seeing for either team? I would love to see if Gonzaga is able to get out to a lead and feel comfortable playing some of their younger guys, I would love to see Nolan Hickman get big tournament minutes. Yes. Um, definitely not due to injury or anything like that, but you know, Nimhart, he's a great 
he's a great college point guard. I think that he's going to generate some NBA buzz as well. But I would love to see Nolan Hickman come in, be a real big, you know, energy defender, uh, improve that three-point shooting that he showed early on in the season. Those percentages have gone down over the year. But I'm a big Nolan Hickman guy. I've entertained drafting him this season because I think that he's one of these like draft and develop guys, someone that doesn't necessarily take the first year. But you want to get him in an NBA program as early as you can and teach him better habits. Not like Gonzaga is going to teach him bad habits per se, but the earlier you get him into an NBA system, I think you can yield better results. I would love to see some Nolan Hickman early on in the tournament. Rucker, if I ask you the same question, are you going to say Trevor Keels? Is that the answer? No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm interested to see Julian Strasser with Gonzaga. Yes. I think that's, that's a guy that I still believe he's going to be a next year prospect, but I do think a strong tournament run is going to really put him on the radar as a potential first round guy next year. Um, you know, for Duke, I, I'm really fascinated to watch Wendell Moore. I think he's starting mm. to really click lately. And, um, you know, he's put, he's been putting up some really nice numbers throughout the year. The, the shooting percentages lately are, have really impressed me. And I think he's trending in the right way. Um, this could be a guy that's quietly heating up and maybe he's going to be a guy that sneaks into the end of the first round. But I do think, you know, good size, good athleticism can do a little bit of everything when it comes to, you know, playmaking and hitting the boards. Um, you know, a lot of those guys on that Duke team are going to get all the attention, but I think Wendell has been a consistent player for that team. And I'm excited to see what he can do uh, in the tournament. Steven, we touched on him a little bit last night, but one of the other games I have highlighted here would be Arkansas against Vermont, number four seed versus the number 13 seed. And, why would I tell people to watch Arkansas? Well, Jalen Williams has been one of the most exciting prospects in, in the entire country over the last month. I know Rucker's been a big fan of him. We've talked about him on this very podcast feed. Steven, give me some of your thoughts about what you'd be looking for from Jalen Williams in this tournament if he is to really catapult himself into that first-round conversation and cement himself there. I think navigating the defensive side of the ball is going to be key for Jalen Williams' draft stock because I think everyone is tantalized by his offensive potential at the next level. He's got some really cool tools that you want in a modern-day big man, right? Like, he he has the potential to shoot. He's not afraid of shooting threes, although his percentage isn't necessarily sexy from deep right now. Obviously, the passing is what everyone is, is looking at, right? Like, not saying that he's going to be a Nikola Jokic, but you could definitely see him in similar sets already right now with his playmaking and his vision. Defensively, that's where I'm personally worried, right? Like, he doesn't show the same level of verticality when he's contesting the rim. Sure, the, the charges are nice, but I don't know how well. But what that does show you, for, if you're an NBA franchise, is that he sees the floor on the defensive side of the ball. That's That's a really big step. Now, what else can you do? Can you be a little bit stronger at contesting the basket? Can you be a switchable guy uh, in pick and roll? Or even if you're a, a drop coverage big, can you get up and contest shots? I'm looking to see if he can not only defend well, but also stay out of foul trouble. Because Arkansas, you know, I'm a big fan of that team. We like to play him conservatively on the defensive end because we don't want him to be in foul trouble because he's a hub on the offensive side. So... The defense is what I'm looking at moving forward. Rucker, the last game that I highlighted in the West region in the first round, number six, Alabama, against the winner of Rutgers and Notre Dame. I'll come out and say it. If Rutgers beats Notre Dame 
in that little playing game and they get up against Alabama, I would absolutely pick Rutgers to win that game. I would pick Rutgers to upset them. They, to me, they just do so many things ball defensively when you're going up against an Alabama team that has some really good athletes in multiple positions, but they aren't quite the same cerebral type of operational team offensively. They're not going to be able to break you down in that way against a really set Rutgers defense. And Ron Harper Jr. just carry that team offensively. I would pick them. But if Notre Dame were to, in my mind, upset Rutgers, that means we would get a first-round battle of two of the point guard prospects that you've had the most questions about in J.D. Davison and Blake Wesley. If those two were to match up against each other, who do you think would honestly have the better performance between the two? Do you think that J.D. Davison could bring himself back into the mix a little more? Or you think Blake Wesley could also really bounce and, and, and show people why he was once projected to be a top 20 pick by a lot of outlets? I mean, that's pretty much one of the heaviest questions I've got <laughs> this year. Um, I probably would, you know, shockingly, I'd probably lean with J.D. Davison. I think his length and quickness could really give – that could be – that could be Blake Wesley's worst nightmare just because Davison might be like, I'm going to give you hell in a cell for the entire <laughs> night. Um, but that would definitely be an interesting one, um, especially between Bama and Notre Dame. I, I unfortunately would be watching that one probably closer than anyone, because I still want to figure out um, what those two prospects are going to do. If those are guys that potentially should return for another year, if Wesley all of a sudden put on a strong game against Bama, that's really going to catch the attention of NBA scouts. But I'm like you, Nathan, if Rutgers could win that game, they can mess people up. Yeah, they can. And I still am, have a really soft spot in my heart for Ron Harper Jr. So I would definitely be slowly pulling for Rutgers because every time someone says that team, I think they're talking to me and they're saying Rucker instead. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I mean, Bama Notre Dame for scouting purposes would be great because it would probably answer a lot of questions or doubts we might have about Davison and Blake Wesley. But I have weird vibes that Davison's going to have a couple strong games in the tournament and really mess my mind up. So, yeah, I, I hear you. But yeah, I selfishly, would, I'm rooting for Rutgers. I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm rooting. I, so, so am I. I'm not not gonna lie either. I've been I've been to the what they call the trapezoid of terror enough times this year. I I, I I I would love to see them make a little run. Steven, what about you, man? JD Davison against Blake Wesley, er, Rucker, and everyone else at no ceilings. You you are one of the rookies here, but in case you haven't picked up on it, everybody wants to kill my Blake Wesley dreams at this point. I I would pick Alabama to beat Notre Dame. But I think that Blake Wesley could really have a better game than given credit for against not only the rest of that Alabama backcourt, but against J.D. Davison in particular. I, I think Blake Wesley would take that game seriously. I think he'd have a good one. Well, the, the thing that we got to remember, right, is Javon Quinterly is going to be the starter. And if that's going to be the case, I think we're probably going to see more Keon Ellis on Blake Wesley moving forward in that matchup. Yeah. And I would love to see that because, in my opinion, that's going to answer more questions for Keon Ellis because I like him as an NBA-level defender and a three-point shooter. There's been a few games where he just gets hot from beyond the arc, and that's like, okay, Keon Ellis can cook a little bit now. And then defensively, I think that he he has a lot of what you're looking for. And I'm not necessarily going to say he's a lockdown guy, but a guy that you bring in off your bench and you trust that he's not going to get beat 
uh, as a defensive player and a guy that you trust in spacing. Can he put the ball on the ground for a couple of dribbles and make a smart decision? That's something else that we got to look at moving forward. But in that matchup in particular, I'm wondering if we're not going to see more Keon Ellis lined up against a Blake Wesley. And then how does Wesley answer that with a really strong SEC level defender? You know, a lot of questions could be answered either way. So let's go ahead. Let's pick the West region boys. I'll, I'll, I'll start us off. So let's go game by game really quick all the way through how we see it. So Gonzaga, Georgia state, I'm going to pick Gonzaga. Boise State, Memphis going to be, I think, a closer game than a lot of casual fans might realize. I'm still going to pick Memphis to, to squeak out the win. UConn, New Mexico State, I'm, I'm going to pick an upset here. I, I'm, I'm not in love with this UConn team. I think some of these prospects that we're talking about, Andre Jackson, um, I, I know as somebody who's gotten a lot of buzz, they have the big man down low. I, I think some of those guys are really a year away for making more legitimate impacts. So I think this New Mexico State team's been hot. They're also 26-6, and six, have had a great year. There's 5-12 and 12 upsets usually happen in the bracket more often yeah. than not. I'm actually going to pick New Mexico State. Arkansas, I'm going to pick them to move ahead over Vermont. I'm going to pick Alabama for now. I'm just going to make the safe pick in that 6-11, but I, I agree with Rucker. Rutgers would be a, a really tough matchup for them. Texas Tech, I got them beating Montana State. Michigan State, I will take over Davidson, and then Duke, I'll have moving on. So that leaves us with the Titans clashing in the second round. Gonzaga and Memphis, Chet Holmgren against Jalen Duran. I think that's a pretty easy win, in my opinion, for Gonzaga. Then I would have Arkansas moving on ahead of New Mexico State. I'd have Texas Tech beating Alabama. And Duke, man, I would love to pick Michigan State over Duke. But at the end of the day, I can't do it. I think Duke has more talent on the floor. So then we have Gonzaga. I have Gonzaga beating Arkansas. Texas Tech upsetting Duke. And then I have Gonzaga and Texas Tech in the Elite Eight with Texas Tech moving on to my Final Four. That's how I'm seeing that region of the bracket. Steven, I'll move to you next. What are your picks, man? Yeah, man, I'm loving the energy. I I got Gonzaga. Um, advancing i got memphis advancing but i I like i want to see more of dagan hart like he's a guy that i'm hearing a lot that i haven't had a chance to watch a lot throughout the the season so i'm interested to see how he shows out against memphis uh yukon i like a lot get used to hearing that name as we move forward here i got arkansas over vermont but i think it's a scary game i got alabama um, texas tech advancing michigan state over davidson i don't really feel good about that matchup i think davidson might be able to uh, to to beat Michigan State the more I think about it and then I got Duke advancing so I got Gonzaga over Memphis much like you Nathan I got UConn beating Arkansas and then Duke beating Michigan State that takes me to the Sweet 16 matchup where I got UConn upsetting Gonzaga I got Texas Tech upsetting Duke and then I got UConn beating Texas Tech to to for the final four that's wild I know. Rucker, Rucker, like, what? We, yeah, yeah. I had a lot of things going on in my head at once. Sorry, that happens. <laughs> Wait, did I hear UConn upsetting Gonzaga? You did, and then I had you, and then Texas Tech beating Duke, <laughs> and then I got UConn beating Texas Tech. Here's the thing, man. UConn, they're like, they're kind of built for the tournament. They can give you a bunch of different looks. They got good guard play. They got a really good defender. 
And they got a really dominant post presence in Adama Sonogo, who I think can mess people up in this tournament run. I, I don't know, man. Like I got a strong feeling about UConn, looking at the analytics behind them too, looking at their record, the momentum they have coming into the tournament. UConn ain't nothing to mess with this year for me. Listen, well, last time I checked, I think when I counted, UConn had four to five guys who piqued my interest in terms of NBA potential down the road. So they, they yep. are a talented and loaded team with size in multiple positions. I'm not, not going to put it past UConn to go on a little bit of a run. Rucker, give us your West region. What's it look like? All right. I have some crazies, but I, I'm not as crazy as that. Um, <laughs> I got Gonzaga over Georgia State. I'm picking Memphis just because I want the showdown. Um, yes. I want Duran chat mania, even though everyone's like, are they really going to go one-on-one? And I'm like, yes, a couple possessions in the game. I think they might go up against each other. Conductor of chaos wants chaos. Shocker. Yes. Yes. UConn over New Mexico state. Although I hate picking fives over 12s because it always happens. Arkansas over Vermont. Bama. I'm, I'm picking Bama. Um, Texas Tech over Montana State. I have Michigan State over Davidson. Duke over Cal State Fullerton. Then my second round, I'm going Gonzaga over Memphis. Arkansas over UConn. Bama over Texas Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Roll Tide. And then I'm going Duke um, over Michigan State. Um, I'm going to say Max Christie goes berserk, but they somehow lose. And then I'm going, that. I'm going Gonzaga over Arkansas and Duke over Bama. Um, I have weird vibes that Bama is going to play Texas Tech and Keon Ellis is going to have the Keon Ellis game and somehow they pull off of upset. That's my only thing. And I also just can't figure out Texas Tech. Like I feel like they're just good defensively and they can't get buckets. So Keon Ellis goes nuts. J.D. Davidson has the game that makes me convinced he's the first rounder. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. <laughs> The, the man who lives for draft Twitter and social media picks Gonzaga and Memphis to happen. And then Gonzaga and Duke in the rematch in the elite eight. Surprise, yeah. surprise, surprise, surprise. That's what so we want. So who's your winner? Wait, you give me the winner of that game. Of, of the big one? Of the big one. Gonzaga. Okay. So you would have Gonzaga moving on. You, that That's yeah. If they got there, that's probably the way I would go to. They're going to get there. I, would, I don't think Gonzaga okay. would let Duke okay. beat them twice. So, Tournament Drew Timmy is a new monster. His mustache is going to be extra strong, have some superpowers. That's going to be the Nolan Hickman game. Yeah, it probably will be. Julian Strother is probably going to have 12 rebounds against Arkansas. It, it's just going to be magical. But yeah, that, that's where I'm at right now. So I got Gonzaga getting out of... Uh, this is the multiverse of mayhem going on over here. I'm here for it. I can't believe the rogue Gonzaga is going to have to go on, but I still believe they're going to buckle down and be like, we're going to show everyone that we deserve to, to be in the big dance. Or at least, you know, you, you know who doesn't probably have as hard of a road to go on. Is no, if we I move over get. to the South region and talk about, nice. talk about Rutgers, Arizona Wildcats. Yes. Being the second top overall seed. In this the is tournament. everyone's Wildcats this year. Yeah, this this is going to be everyone's wildcats, and we'll definitely see why later on in this podcast. But Rucker, Arizona playing a 16 seed, regardless of who wins that play-in game, are you worried about Arizona being upset in that first game? 
Um, past history would tell me yes, because Arizona usually disappoints in the tournament, but I think Tommy Lloyd's done absolutely sensational job. I think Arizona will be ready to roll. I think they need to take care of business first couple rounds, maybe get Creasa back. I saw a picture of his ankle today and I definitely don't think he needs to play for a couple rounds. So, um, no, I think Arizona should be good in that first game. So in case anyone wasn't aware Rucker, along with our own Albert and No Ceilings, were both in Las Vegas to see the Pac-12 tournament. So they got to see Arizona, along with a few other teams we'll talk about tonight, up close and personal. Out of this Arizona team, through this tournament run, who are you, Rucker, most excited to see play for, for Arizona? Who's the guy you really want to watch even closer in this tournament? I still think Dalen Terry is probably going to be the guy that can, can really make some noise, especially in these first couple of rounds if Crease is going to be out, um, you know, six, seven playmaking Swiss army knife type of player that, you know, fantastic vision. Um, I think the, the all around games coming together really strong and he's got the size to be a real pest defensively and he plays his butt off. I think the underrated one that I'm going to be watching is Christian Coloco. I think if if Arizona could make a little bit of a deep run like they're expected to, Coloco is really impressive in the Pac-12 tournament. I think he could start to kind of slowly creep up boards again and, and maybe end up in the end of the first round. Um, he's just been sensational defensively. They're, they run a really beautiful high-low with Tabellis and Coloco, and he's been showing some soft you know, hands. And he's finishing around the basket. He's made some plays down the stretch. So I think Coloco's the one guy I, I would be watching as kind of like a late riser because Matherin's going to get plenty of buzz. Yeah, Bellis is a guy that everyone needs to watch for potentially next year. Um, but he could get hot and all of a sudden become a little bit of a, oh my gosh, he's going to the combine and now he's staying in, like one of those guys. So um, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to watch Coloco alongside Dale and Terry. I think those are two guys that could probably heat up a little bit. What about you, Steven? What are you looking for from this Arizona team in this tournament? Yeah, so I think that Tyler did a great job of pretty much touching on the, the major headlines, right? Like Dale and Terry, I think he's going to be drafted number one overall this year now because of how great <laughs> that he did, right? Like everyone's in love with Dale and Terry. Obviously, I'm a little tongue-in-cheek there. But, I mean, there's nothing to not like about his game. Even coming in when he was just putting up some kind of pedestrian you know uh, coming off the bench stat lines people were still impressed by him because of his acceptance of the role the growth that he's shown in his sophomore year you know that that's not a wrong answer I think that's probably like the the new hotness right now is Dalen Terry uh Tubelis is a guy who kind of like Tyler said I think that if he has a strong tournament run like I think a team could take a flyer on a toolsy four or five guy who can play make who has a projectability to shoot a little bit and just be kind of like a, a Swiss Army knife on the offensive end. But here's the thing. With all that being said, my guy Benedict Matherin still remains... A, like, But he's not appreciated to the level that I think that he should be because we've been saying it for a long time. You, you know, the guys on no ceilings. It's like we talk about how he's a 7-10 to 10 guy and then we just move on to the next prospect and... Dalen Terry, as much as I love what he's doing, he's taking my guy's shine. So I think I would love to see Benedict Matherin continue to put up these haymaker performances. I love him a lot. I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't be surprised if he works his way up to kind of top five, top six level of uh, draft projections after a strong tournament run. My sleeper name to watch, and I mentioned this guy on the stream yesterday. Pell Larson has me incredibly intrigued that Arizona, maybe not a this year guy, but next year, I'm telling you, I told Rucker, I think I'm getting real Christian Brown vibes from this guy. He has only played, I believe, 20, so 20 minutes a game this year. But per 40-minute numbers, 13.9 points per game, 6.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists, synergy percentile, 77th percentile overall in terms of total offense, 90th percentile in terms of total defense, 96th percentile scoring out of pick and roll, Rates well in spot ups, jump shots. He's all jump shots. He's in sixty seventh percentile. All jump shots off the dribble, ninety fourth percentile. Six five, two hundred fifteen pound guard, power player. Looks bigger than he's actually listed as. I know Rucker. I think that you've even mentioned like, isn't he like six seven? Like he 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 definitely looks to me like he's bigger than that listed height as well. So I think, man, he he just continues to get on the court more for this Arizona team and continues to get minutes and he's, he's on the court in big moments. And I think that his names could really start to get cooking in this tournament run. And he could be one of those guys that we're all putting on watch lists for, for next year. Once we get the, and wasn't he the sixth man of the year for the PAC 12 too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He's this, this man is, this man's been cooking, especially lately. So I'm, I'm intrigued by him. The other two games I highlighted in the South region, I'd be honest, boys, I'm not really excited about a ton going on in the first round. In the South region, I mean, Villanova and Delaware. Blame you. Villanova and Delaware. I don't know if that's lighting anybody's anybody's world on fire. Tennessee and, and and Longwood. Tennessee's been a great story in the SEC, and I think a lot of people are gonna want to see what Kennedy Chandler can do after the first game. Illinois and Chattanooga could be a little saucy for an upset. Houston's been a good college team this year, and TCU. You know, Mike Miles always has fans. Always has fans in the draft community, but. Colorado State and Michigan would be the other game that really jumps out at me. Mr. David Roddy going up against some guys on Michigan who had, they got to prove themselves to really hop back in the conversation here, especially Caleb Houston. Um, Steven, Colorado State and Michigan. Do you think David Roddy has a chance to, to, to beat a Michigan team that even though Colorado State would technically be favored, I think I'm probably still going to pick Michigan. You think he's going to have an, an easy time against that Michigan team? You think some of those some of those blue guys are going to be able to to definitely get themselves back on the map? What do you think? I don't I don't have a strong opinion on this matchup, really one way or the other. Like if you were to tell me either team wins, I would definitely buy into that. And it's because of the the NBA draft level prospects that are on this team. David Roddy, he's he's kind of a unicorn, right? Like he's he's short and wide. I think he's as wide as he is tall, almost right. And he's super athletic, can shoot, but I don't like him on defense. I don't like him on the ball, but this is the NCAA tournament. All the best players are going to get the ball a lot. The usage rate that he has shown all season long is going to prove true. And then it's like, who on Michigan is going to match up against him? Do you put Musa Diabate lined up against him? Do you put Caleb Houston lined up against him? I don't know which way they go. It's kind of the uniqueness of David Roddy that's got me worried. But I do kind of trust Michigan a little bit more uh, in this matchup due to the to you know the upperclassmen on this roster, and I do think that they have a little bit more talent. Like Dickinson in this matchup could could or I I don't even think he's playing, is he? Dickinson, I could be wrong, and I don't mean to put us on the spot here. 
But I, I do not know the answer to that question. Okay, so even still, Musa Diabate, I think, is kind of like the, the X factor in this matchup. If he has a good game, I think that Michigan wins. And if he kind of underperforms, you could be looking at a, a Colorado State wash, in my opinion. Rucker, I think you've started to, to drink more of the David Roddy Kool-Aid of late. Anything in particular you want to see from him in the tournament to possibly raise his draft stock for, for you up in the, the top 40 like we're starting to see from some outlet boards? What, what do you want to see from him? He's just a fascinating prospect because you look at him right away and you're like, what What am I looking at? You know, he's he's built like a 6'5 offensive lineman in the NFL. He's like 6'5, 250, but he has lightning quick feet. Um, he can really do some special things around the court. He can stretch it from deep. He can put someone on the block and make him look foolish. Um, he's shown some playmaking ability too. So this is a big game for David Roddy. This is a, a statement game going up against a team like Michigan. Um, it, it's going to be really tough, I think, for Colorado State. You know, they have um, Roddy and Isaiah Stevens are their two scorers. They just lost a game to San Diego State where, you know, those two players combined for 42 of 58 points and they lost. So, I mean, it's going to be a tough one. I, I think Michigan's going to be fascinating because we're going to be wanting to see what Caleb Houston does. Um, and if Roddy can put together a strong performance, you know, that's going to quick quickly build some buzz for him. If they could pull off a win and Roddy puts a really impressive game um, together, that's going to heat his stock up because people are going to be buzzing around David Roddy. Um, he has the potential to put up some huge numbers and get hot from deep. So. I'm going to be interested. I, I do think his skill set, even with his freakish size, like his skill set is very unique and special. Um, and I think there's a, a potential for him to stick in the NBA. I think teams are going to be really intrigued. Someone's going to buy in because he's, he's a versatile asset. He's just going to need to show a little bit more consistency on both sides of the ball. Steven's doing a great job making his bones in this podcast already. I think that matchup he called out, David Roddy potentially against Musa Diabate, that could be a big one for Diabate. If he can prove that he can handle himself in the low post against somebody with Roddy's size, I think that would really bode well for a lot of NBA executives and scouts to say, well, if he can handle somebody like Roddy, I think he's on the right track to being able to handle some more matchups down low, whether he's playing that four or that small ball five spot. At least early on in his NBA career, I think that would be one of the one of the question marks about his game. The other game I had highlighted was Ohio State and Loyola Chicago. I think it's a great opportunity for anybody who hasn't gotten on the Malachi Branham train at this point to see him. But also, EJ Liddell. EJ Liddell's had a fantastic year. He is quietly becoming a much more confident top twenty projection. We're big fans of him and no ceilings. Rucker, I want to ask you this question because I know that I know that you you've been on the train. You kind of like both guys. You think there's a good chance that both of them actually go in the top twenty when it's all said and done? Yeah, I do. I I, I think EJ's trending that way for sure, and I think what Branham's done the last you know month and change has been absolutely really kind of taken advantage of, you know, we've talked about it before on previous episodes, Nathan, we, we, we said there's a range where we're waiting for someone to come up and kind of take, you know, hold of that spot, almost plant their flag into the ground. And I think Branham's been that guy. He's been sensational with his offensive versatility and 
I think a couple strong performances in this tournament would really solidify himself as being a top 20 guy. I, I think the tools are there, the upside's there, um, and he's been putting up some really impressive numbers throughout the year. EJ Liddell, I think, has... We, we didn't really talk about him too much on the stream last night, but in my opinion, if you were to ask me who are some of the guys that could massively improve their draft stock after the tournament, he would be on that list for me. Because he's going he's gonna to have to do everything, a little bit of everything for that Ohio State team for them to make any sort of a run out of that seventh seed. We, we know how much of a scoring threat he is, how potent of a scoring threat he is. But defensively, I think he's going to be matched up on the other team's best player more times than he's even been earlier in this season. He's going to have to help protect the rim from the weak side. He's going to have to be all over the court, nailing perimeter shots, helping to get others involved, and then make things easy for everybody else. When he's off the ball, he's going to have to hit him with some timely cuts, some timely rolls, a little bit of play. He's going to have to do it all. And I think if he can, and I think Ohio State wins some games in the tournament, maybe they go on a little bit of a run. There are some people who have had EJ Liddell in like lottery-level conversations. And you know what? This is the time of year where all of a sudden, if the results are there to back it up, that doesn't seem so crazy anymore. What do you think, Stephen? Listen, you you both know that I love EJ Liddell. I've been saying all season long that the talks have kind of quieted as of late because of how good Keegan Murray has been. But I've kind of used Keegan Murray as like a reference point to an EJ Liddell almost because I think that both of those guys have a lot of similar skill set and abilities. I mean, if you look at the the weak side rim protection that both of those guys offer, I like it a lot. If you look at the ability to stretch the floor, I like both of those guys a lot the playmaking that both of those guys have. They have a lot of the same kind of ancillary skills. It's just that I think Murray kind of translates a little bit what better to maybe being a little bit more of like a wing defender, whereas EJ Liddell, I trust more, is kind of like a small ball five or a four. So I loved EJ, EJ Liddell all season long. This is another instance of kind of like how I mentioned earlier with Benedict Mather and Malachi Branham has kind of come along and taken a little bit of EJ Liddell shine. So it would be, I think, pertinent on EJ's part to be aggressive and assertive and, and look to show that he does belong in that lottery because I have him kind of flirting with with being a back end of the lottery type player. All right, Rucker, you're the Arizona guy. You're kicking off the region this time around. Go right. ahead. Give us your picks for the South region. Who you got? All right. I got I got a little crazy on this one too. Um I'm getting Arizona getting out of the first round. Shocker. Um <laughs> TCU and Mike Miles. I have, Let's go. I have them winning. Let's I go. Have them going on, and then uh, I'm gonna have you. Or I'm gonna have Houston winning that game. Illinois. I, I think Kofi Cockburn is gonna have a very fun tournament. I think he's gonna be a bit of an animal. I've got Michigan. I've got Michigan beating Colorado State. I, I think they're gonna pull that one out. Tennessee. I've got one in their game. Ohio State. Villanova, second round. I got Arizona getting past. Shocker. I would love uh, to see Dale and Terry against Mike Miles, man. That yes. would be talk about a prospect game. That would be very fun. Um, I've got Illinois beating Houston, although that one's a little. I go back and forth. Um, I think Tennessee's going to beat Michigan. I think Villanova is going to beat Ohio State. I could barely get it out. I, 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 for some reason, have weird vibes of like EJ and Branham going bonkers. Isn't this one of those like boring Villanova teams that yes. just like Jay Wright's able to just like will them to like the elite eight? Yes. 
keep pushing right. forward. Um, I got Arizona beating Illinois, and then I've got Tennessee beating Villanova. I don't know why. I just I think Tennessee is going to be a little pissed off and making a little bit of a run. And then um, I've got the Arizona Wildcats winning, going to the going to the big dance. The final shocker. Four. Big, shocker. big shocker. Big shocker. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Arizona yeah. is going to the national championship game. First person to say it. Shocker. Going to Louisiana. This is All a right. monumental moment in draft deeper history. All right, Steven, go ahead. Kick it off. I'm going to get crazy. I think this is going to be one of the craziest upsets <laughs> in the entire tournament. I have Bryant beating Wright State and then losing to Arizona. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Seton Hall over TCU. Uh, I have Houston over UAB. I have Illinois over Chattanooga. Like Tyler, I have Michigan over Colorado State, Tennessee over Longwood. Now here's where the upset comes in. Loyola Chicago Chicago over Ohio State. Oh no. No, If you look at them, if you look at if you look at the profile of this team, they have all the makings that you look for in an upset team. Upperclassmen, they all play defense. And it's an egalitarian style offense where they can come at you from any angle. I still think that EJ Liddell has a good, strong game, but I think the the teamsmanship, if I'm allowed to coin a phrase here, of Loyola Chicago is going to overcome Ohio State. Then I have Villanova over Delaware. Shocker there. I have Arizona beating Seton Hall. I have Houston over Illinois. Michigan over, or correction, Tennessee over Michigan. Villanova over Loyola. Then I have Arizona over Illinois. Villanova over Tennessee with Arizona beating Villanova. I know it's crazy, Tyler. You found somebody else to agree with you that Arizona is making it to to the final four here. You know what, Steven? You know what, Steven? The only person who wants to see Malachi Branham and EJ Liddell not make it to the next round is Sister Jean. All right. Maybe she gets a wish. Maybe maybe she does, but... Such a buzz. I, just, I have a feeling I, I want Ohio State to advance. I just I'm looked at the matchup and I was like, I would not be surprised at all if Loyola beats Ohio State. All right. So I'm taking Arizona in the 116. I'm taking TCU over Seton Hall, Houston over UAB, Illinois over Chattanooga, Michigan over Colorado State. We've all picked that game. Tennessee over Longwood, Ohio State over Loyola Chicago and Villanova over Delaware with Arizona beating TCU. Although, I, I listen, some, something about that game, I think that could be more exciting than people think. Uh, if Mike Miles just explodes for like 35 points or something stupid, we, we, we could see an upset happen. I'm not, It'd not be the Micah PV game. Could, could, could be the Micah PV game. <laughs> the, the, oh, man. I, I liked Micah PV last year. I feel like now he's just kind of like been, been off the map a little bit since he, yeah. he's been at TCU. But Houston – over Illinois, Tennessee over Michigan, and Villanova over Ohio State. Then I have Arizona over Houston, Tennessee over Villanova, with Arizona beating Tennessee to go to the Final Four. Shocker. Big shockers at the Draft Deeper podcast. Yeah, Draft Deeper Bracketology. Really, really mixing it up. All right. Let's move to the Midwest. So the third top seed in this tournament, the Kansas yeah uh, well eh, i don't know i don't know i don't know if i'd call this easy who easy for who kansas you might uh, might be surprised by one of my picks for a little bit 
If you do it, I'm gonna be so proud of you. No, Probably the yeah. easiest opening round. Fine, Christian Brown tournament MVP. Is that what you want me to say? Yes. Thank hey. you. Appreciate it. All right, Kansas Jayhawks. We know who the guys are. Yeah. Ochai Baji, Christian Brown, Rucker. There's been so much love for Ochai Baji lately. He's even starting to get it at no ceilings. I believe likely around the time you're listening to this podcast, you're going to see a little spicy ranking from us in terms of Mr. Ochai Abaji, and you're going to see a little bit of a spicy ranking in terms of where we would put him in a mock draft. Yeah, that's right. we got a big board mock draft updates coming on NoSillingsNBA.com. Stay tuned later this week for that. But in the meantime, what are you looking to see out of Ochai Abaji Rucker? What, what can he do for this Kansas team on a tournament run to possibly get himself into that top 10 conversation for you? Or do you think he's, he's, he will be in that late lottery mid first range regardless? I think he's going to end up in the top 10. Um, I really do. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm saying it. I think Kansas is going to have a deep run. He's going to be pumped out of his mind. Um, If he keeps doing what he's doing, you know, I've watched that alley-oop that he had in the big 12 tournament. I think I've watched it like 14 times. Um, he's just going to keep showing the versatility. He, he's got a bit of everything, you know, just a guy who could catch and shoot weapon. He could put it on the floor and attack and get downhill in a hurry. Um, I think he's going to be this guy that's motivated to kind of tell his team, like, get on my shoulders. I'm, I'm taking us. We're, we're going to make a deep run at this. And this is the perfect guy that if, if this team can make a run and he, keeps doing what he's been doing, he's going to keep buzzing and he's going to keep going up. And I really do think Abaji, you know, we talked about this with Matherin earlier. I think Abaji's right in that same conversation of a guy that is going to benefit from a deep run. And I think Kansas is going to probably have that. And he's going to be putting on a show. He can do some special stuff on the court. And I will always go to bat for the upperclassmen. So I'm very pumped to watch Abaji over these next couple of weeks. Steven, I haven't taken detailed notes on your big board yet. Not not yet, my friend. We're going to be making sure to highlight Steven's big board on... We're going to learn soon enough, Nathan. You're going yeah. to learn soon enough. We're highlighting Steven's board on the next episode of the Draft Deeper podcast. He's my co-host here, so that means we get not one big board to feature anymore, but we get two big boards to talk about throughout the rest of this cycle and onward. Steven, where is Ochai Abaji for you right now on your big board? And I'll ask you the same question. Could could he solidify himself in the top 10, or where where is he for you? You know, I have him 12th, but I think doing the mock draft exercise, the, the, the connections that we're hearing with Damian Lillard, I think, ring kind of too strongly for at least it not to be considered to be a possibility, right? Like with Portland having multiple picks, likely within the top 10, I don't. I, I would be shocked if either one of those didn't go to Ochai Baji. Although I would probably pick him a little later, but nothing crazy. Like I wouldn't be upset if he's like ninth or tenth, based on where I have him in my rankings. I think that he does stand to benefit greatly from a strong run because the knocks that we're going to hear about him really don't have anything to do with his play. It has to do with the the profile aspect of him. Like, oh, okay, he didn't really come on strong enough until his senior season. You know, front offices, they don't necessarily get excited about these older prospects, although we don't practice ageism here on No Ceilings. And especially on a team, 
again, Portland, it just keeps ringing in my head because Damian Lillard wants to win, which means that you don't want to take time to develop guys. And if he ends up, if, if they end up drafting Ochai Baji, I think he fits that timeline that Portland would be looking to kind of appease Damian Lillard. And even if he leaves, they still get a very strong, mature guy to play alongside Anthony Simons as well. So I don't think it's a, a lose scenario at all for Portland. I think that he comes in and he's going to be one of the immediate contributors out of this draft class. Yeah, I just I just don't think he has the upside of some of the other guys that, that could be taken in the top 10. I know that, you know, if you're going to compare wings in that range, like Benedict Mathurin, for example, comes up, the, the, the unsung hero that Stephen wanted to highlight earlier on in this episode, like that's a guy I would still take over Ochai Baji. It, if I could see Baji consistently nail those mid-range pull-up jumpers, I think I'd have a lot more confidence in him going in the top 10. I just, every single game I watch for the last four years, I just haven't seen it from him. I know how deadly of a spot of threat he is. I know that he can hit some shots off the move from three-point range. And we know the type of athlete he is, the lob threat off of a cut along the baseline. I, I get all of it. And then the defense. I don't know. I, I think top 10 would be a little too rich for me. But I could be talked into it easier if Kansas did make a deep run in this tournament, and it really is because he's just pouring in 25 to 30 points a game in each game, which, as Rucker wanted to point out, for a little while in this region of the bracket, <laughs> it's entirely possible. So I won't count it out. The other top seed in this region would be Auburn at the two seed. We know who's on Auburn. Jabari Smith Jr., Walker Kessler's nipping at the heels as well. In, in that center spot in terms of who's the best center or one of the best centers in this draft class. But Steven, again, reiterating that I have not taken the detailed dive on your latest big board update. We've done a bunch of big board comparisons podcasts. We've talked about all of the top guys. Mm-hmm. Where does Jabari Smith Jr. sit for you right now? And if he's not number one, what does he need to show you in the tournament to maybe overtake that number one spot again over somebody like Cheddar Powell? Man, it's a, it's a wide open race in my opinion. You know, I mentioned it on the um, the Selection Sunday show and that I talked with Rucker about this too. It's like there's a wide open competition for a lot of people between four prospects and it could be as simple as whoever is the last man standing might get the advantage at the end of the day when it comes to the number one overall pick. Me personally, I have Jabari Smith Jr. number one, but that's because I'm putting a little bit of reservation on putting Chet Holmgren number one, until I start seeing him against taller front courts. Again, I'm not discounting the WCCA conference as a whole or their their level of competitiveness or, or how talented of overall teams they are. But if I see Chet Holmgren as early as a Memphis matchup look really, really good against a Jalen Duran, it probably wouldn't take very much for me to put Chet Holmgren number one. But for me personally right now, I have Jabari Smith Jr. number one for all the reasons that everybody else loves him for. Rucker, you might have thought I especially wanted you on this podcast today because I wanted all of your bracket picks, the shark that you are. Or maybe you thought I wanted you to just talk about Arizona and all your boys for a little bit. No, I wanted you here because Iowa is playing Richmond in the first round. But I don't just want you to talk about Keegan Murray. Obviously, all of your Keegan Murray thoughts, just lay it out for the audience one more time. Tell them how you feel about him. You rank 
picked another play. Right. I, I did pay attention to your big boards. Yes. That was a deposit exercise. Now you and, time. You and Tyler Metcalf have this affinity for one Tyler Burton out of Richmond. So I want you to talk about both players and educate my audience a little bit on Tyler Burton because I have not mentioned his name once on this podcast. So the floor is yours. This is your chance to shine. So I love Tyler Burton for a couple of reasons. One, I think he might be a guy that, you know, I don't know if he's going out this year. He might need another year. But I like his – he's got a beautiful shot from outside. He, he's 6'7", good size, putting up good numbers, um, you know, 16.3 points a game. Shooting splits are 46, 37, 80. I, I just like – he looks like a guy that's a basketball player. He looks like a guy that could be a really nice piece at the next level. Um, so I, I'm a fan of his. Um, the other reason I love Tyler Burton, which no one seems to catch on, is my middle name is Burton. So he's literally has almost You're the joking. same name as me. No, I've been telling everybody oh this God. forever. So literally, yeah, of course, Tyler Burton is a fan of Tyler Burton. Like, you got to be kidding me. Ugh. It's it's I'm about to wear T-shirts that say it on it. But you better serious, get his jersey in the NBA then. Hundred percent. Like I probably, if he declares, will wear this like draft Tyler Burton sh- <laughs> a shirt. But being serious, I, I really do like what I've seen of him. Um, I think he's got just, he looks like a hooper. He looks like a guy that's going to figure a way to stick on an NBA roster. Um, beautiful shot. I think he's a much better shooter than 37% from three might hint. Um, and, you know, that's the type of the range of the draft where, you know, you might get a guy that maybe needs to spend a little time in the G League, but then all of a sudden becomes a serious piece um, for a roster. So I like him a lot. Keegan Murray. Yeah, look, you're a, your adopted son at this point. Yeah, how can I keep this short? Um, <laughs> he's just been absolutely sensational the whole year. Um, he's really also starting to see his game even reach another level. The production, like you said, has been too impressive to ignore lately. And just what he's doing with his efficiency, um, especially also from outside, and he's also making an impact defensively. I mean, he's he's red hot right now. And I don't think it's that crazy where if, if Iowa could shock some people and make a little bit of a deep run, Keegan could start getting up towards that top six, top five. Um, I don't think it's that insane. I think teams are really going to be buying into his character, the intangibles, what he's done throughout the year. Maybe seeing him as like a safer, you know, high floor guy. So I, I, I'm really excited to see what Keegan does, especially after you know the impressive last couple of weeks he's had. Um, it's going to be fun. It's that's going to be one that I'm going to be watching closely. Obviously, I'm a fan, but I think the tools and the intangibles are legit. I am. And I ask just one question, real quick, on Tyler no. Burton. No. Oh, well, I'm going to. Um, I have the microphone, so you will listen to everything I have to say. <laughs> so Tyler Burton. Is yes. he what we want Caleb Houston to be? I can't not think that every time I'll watch him play. I think that's not a crazy idea. I, I just watch him like movement shooting and stuff. And I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm intrigued. Like very, very much intrigued. Now, obviously he's older than Caleb Houston, but I think that is the type of player we're wanting Caleb Houston to be. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be one of those guys that I'll, I'll be interested to see how he handles himself. And a tough first round game. Like that's the type of game where guys like this could really make a statement for themselves going up against some tougher competition. So 
and the fact that his name is Tyler Burton. You know, I, I just I love him. So somehow, some way, we always bring up a sleeper name on this podcast, no matter what. Um, Tyler, I, I, I'm scared of where you're going to end up ranking Keegan Murray when it's all said and done. I'm, I'm absolutely horrified where he's going to be on your last board. Uh, yeah, yeah he, he honestly could very well be number one on record. Number two, no, right behind Chet. He right won't be number. Chet. He won't be number one, but it I, won't. I, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't. He shock was. Me. He was six on my last board. That's all I'll say. Stephen, give me all of your Keegan Murray thoughts, since I don't think that you and I have have really gone back and forth about him too much on any of our previous pods. Hey, I want to be careful because Tyler's here. You I'm on. <laughs> I'm under I understand. I am watching the exact same basketball player as everyone else. And I acknowledge that he is supremely productive at a collegiate level. I worry about the top three buzz that I'm starting to see. Um kind of being thrown out there on the internet right now by some pretty reputable brands. Shout Even top Schmitz. five. Shout out Mike Schmidt. Love you, but I, I personally can't get there. I I have worked my way up to considering him over guys that we're going to talk about here very soon uh, in in this segment. But when I start hearing top five, top three buzz, I'm just like, that is way too rich for my liking, considering the player type that he's going to be at the next level. I acknowledge the fact that he's supremely, you know, um, confident and capable at the collegiate level i even understand that he's going to succeed in the nba like he's going to be a very productive player in the nba i just i'm the player type that i think that he's going to be at the next level i don't know if i swing on that within the top five like later on in the top 10 sure but definitely not top five for me right now i messaged rucker he's he's getting real close to breaking that six spot for me too once you get to six, it's only one more spot to five, and 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 then we're then we're really yeah. cooking with gas at this point. So, I mean, I, I I don't know what else to say. Keegan has he blew away all of my expectations this year. I I watched his early stat lines, and I was like, this guy's just the mid major killer. Like, what's he actually going to do when they start playing more Big Ten games? And then he kept doing it in the Big Ten. Now he took Iowa on a Big Ten tournament run, and they ended up walking away with the with the postseason championship with the Big Ten. It's like, what, what can't this guy do at this point? Like, why, like, why are we not comparing him to to some of these other top prospects? So I'm, I'm not going to rule anything out. I I still got quite a few more weeks to solidify more finalized versions of my big board. Speaking of other guys, who Stephen, you said that you you got to ranking Keegan Murray above. Rucker and I. We we both we're we're not we're not we're not drinking the tar yeast and Kool Aid as much as some other people are. You you got to give us a sales pitch, man. This this is why you're on the show. The floor is yours. You you, you got to sell us here. I feel like I have tried to sell you guys all season long, and I feel like if there's nothing else that I can do by this point, I don't know if I'm going to be able to persuade you. Rucker's First giving off, you this look right now, like it's gone in <laughs> one ear and out the other the whole time, and it's going to continue to go in one ear out the other. Here's Nathan, the thing, Nathan. Hold on, before you go, Nathan's not drinking yes, the Kool Aid. I keep tasting it and pouring it out, so I need you to make me a good batch of Kool Aid. <laughs> First off, I think what we saw from Will Will Wade before the tournament is a ringing endorsement about the mess that LSU has been throughout this season. Right? They are a very stagnant offensive team. They don't run any sort of movement 
on 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 that team at all. And he still has come on, transferred from another team to a step up, come off the bench, wasn't expected to be the guy, has been the guy on two consecutive teams, right? In under 25 minutes of play, he is putting up the exact same stat line as your favorite basketball player right now in fewer time. He is a strong defender. <laughs> oh, okay. Not the if you prorate I'm his kidding, stat line I'm out, kidding. right? Like I'm Yeah, kidding. yeah. I mean, Keegan Murray is supernova right now. He doesn't but... he doesn't have like a 40 PER that's making you fall out of a chair, Steven. Excuse me. All right. So, he has the same stat line in 24 minutes as most no, I don't I don't know what as... Keegan Murray's PER is right now. I got to look this up. I don't either. You, you, you seemed you seemed 38.2. All right, damn close enough to 40. I've, all right, go I, ahead. for all my South Park fans, I'm PC principal shaking the paper right now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Tori Eason, I think the only thing that he has had any sort of concerns about to his game had been the shooting, and he addressed that within season. And that's very difficult to do. The fact that you can improve a weakness in the middle of the season, that speaks to the work ethic. I don't bet against work ethic when it comes to the NBA. He projects to be able to defend twos threes fours and maybe some small ball five so he gives you versatility there he can stretch the floor his playmaking is supremely underrated and i think considering the the lack of spacing around him the fact that he's putting up the assist numbers that he is is very very impressive the only thing that i was worried about with him coming into the season was shooting and that's already been addressed I have since moved him below Keegan Murray, so if that's not a rigging endorsement to Keegan Murray, I don't know what else is. But I still believe that Tari Eason is a lottery-level talent based off the the feel, the vision, the finishing, the strength, the defense, and now the shooting. Like He checks almost every single box that you want in an NBA-level player. When you put him in open spacing with better shooting and better coaching, I don't know what else you want from a guy within the lottery. That was a fantastic case. I don't have too much to pick apart about that case. I still think a lot of the finishing is going to be full scope. I still think a lot of the finishing when he gets to the NBA is going to be full scope. Just, just some of the film that I've watched. I need to see him get more physical when he's going to the basket and finish through contact, not just finish open dunks in transition or cutting along the baseline. I got to see and it. Here's I got to see more I, of it. I don't know if you're going to get an opportunity to see any more of that, though. Ah, within within March Madness because I don't know LSU firing their coach like they're coming into the they're coming into the tournament like at a very distinct disadvantage so I don't know if you're going to see a deep LSU run you might see a game or two but I don't know how much more he's going to be able to show until come you know the pre-draft process so Iowa State I don't think has the bodies to throw in front of somebody like Tari Eason but Wisconsin does Wisconsin absolutely does. They crowd and wall, regardless of what you want to say about them. They're probably not NBA players, but they're 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 pretty damn good college players. I I, I was saying earlier on in the year, I think Wisconsin had Johnny Davis and, and not a lot much else outside of the Brad Davison 15 to 20 point outbursts every now and then. Those two bigs, though, or, or forwards, if you want to call them that, they've been really impressive the more I watch Wisconsin. They're the types of guys who could be physical with Tari. If they're if they're Position down low and Tar's got to drive into those guys. 
that might help me answer some of those questions. And if LSU would make it past Wisconsin, which I I I still think is possible. I think that's 100% possible. If they would get in that game, we've seen LSU and Auburn play some really exciting games in the SEC this year. Speaking of just even more great tests for somebody like Tari. If, if Jabari and Walker aren't able to stop Tari at the rim and, and, and stop him from doing what he wants to do, I actually think, again, on this short list of players, along with EJ Liddell, who I think could do a lot for their stock, I'm going to put Tari Eason on that list, at least personally for me. I'm going to give myself enough of an open mind to let him get himself in that lottery range on my board. What do you think, Rucker? Yeah, I mean, I want to I want to buy in because the the numbers are are really impressive. Crazy, they're um, crazy. You know, like his last ten games, he's in twenty four minutes, he's averaging nineteen point one points, six point six rebounds, two point four steals, one point four blocks, with shooting splits of fifty one, forty three, eighty two. You don't ignore those; those are unreal. Um, and I I understand the upside, I understand the intrigue. He's just pissing me off because this is going to be I, every year. I have one guy that literally it takes the entire year for me to finally get a grasp of, and it's going to be Tari Eason. And I'm going to need another month. And if I don't figure it out in another month, Nathan's going to have me on a podcast, and all gloves <laughs> are going to be off. So that's because mm. I, I I get it, but I also have the same hesitations as Nathan does because me and you have talked about this plenty of times. And the more I watch, the more the hesitations are, you know, come so to me. I, I test versus the numbers in, in, but it's in frustrating a lot of different ways. Yeah. Because you watch it and then you go look at the numbers and you're like, and then you have to go back. Right. And you just, it's back and forth. So, you know, Tari's just going to be one of those guys where it's like, okay, look, I'm going to click a button and watch every damn possession of the entire year and try to figure it out. And, when his When his name started sizzling in the draft community, and I did the podcast that I did with Chuck from Chucking Darts because I wanted him to kind of give me the sales pitch for Tari Eason. I, I watched like five or six LSU games within like a two or three day span. And my girlfriend's like, have you watched enough LSU this week? And I'm like, I don't <laughs> no. know. I still can't no. figure this guy out. More, the more draft no. film. More draft film. Always more draft film. Yes, that, that's Rucker putting on all those, all those posts on, on the No Ceilings account. But all right. It's time to pick this region. So, Stephen, go ahead. Kick it off, buddy. All right, I'll zoom through this. I got Kansas winning. I got Creighton over San Diego State. I got Iowa over Richmond. I got Providence, and I think what's going to be kind of an intriguing matchup against South Dakota State, I got LSU over Iowa State. I got Wisconsin over Colgate. Miami beating USC. And I got Auburn over Jayville. And then moving forward, I have Kansas over Creighton, Iowa over Providence, although I don't necessarily feel great about that one, but I'm going to give the nod to the hot hand of Keegan Murray. I got Wisconsin over LSU. I think that Johnny Davis is just going to be a monster during this tournament. And then I got Auburn over Miami. I got Kansas over Iowa, and then I have Wisconsin over Auburn. And then I have Kansas beating Wisconsin to go to the Final Four. Rucker, you got something spicy to compete with that? Well, yeah, I do. You know me. <laughs> All right. I got Kansas, Creighton over San Diego State, Iowa over Richmond, South Dakota State over Providence. Oh, oh man. Shout out to Alex. Go. No ceilings. I'm right there with you, bud. Um, 
I got LSU over Iowa State, Wisconsin over Colgate, USC over Miami, Auburn over Jacksonville State. Um, then I got Auburn over USC, Wisconsin over LSU. Get out of here. <laughs> over South Dakota State, Kansas over Creighton. Kansas oh, over Iowa. I don't have a car. You, you want to do, do it. No, you want to do it. I wanted to. I don't have it. Kansas over Iowa, Christian Braun game. Come talk to me about it. Um, Auburn over Wisconsin. And then I have Auburn beating Kansas. Okay. okay. There you go. I got Kansas in the 116. I got Creighton over San Diego State. Iowa over Richmond. I also have the Jackrabbits beating Let's Providence. Go. Let's go, Jackrabbits. Let's go. South Dakota, Mid rise up. Mr. Shireman, Mr. Shireman, shout, shout out to Alex and No Ceilings. Um, LSU over Iowa State, Wisconsin over Colgate, Miami over USC and Auburn over Jacksonville State. Then I have Kansas beating Creighton, Iowa over South Dakota State, Wisconsin over LSU, although I really, I, 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 I really I think you. that's a coin flip. I hear you. And then I got Auburn over Miami in a game that, could actually be a lot closer than people think. I would I would watch that that two verse ten. Kansas over Iowa, Auburn over Wisconsin, and I also have Auburn beating Kansas can, to go oh. on to the final four. Can we okay. just talk about the fact that Baylor Shireman? It sounds like someone that was born to make March Madness magic. That's the best March Madness player name of all time. I, I don't. You can't tell me. If it sounds like a cowboy to me. Yeah, yeah, he's a cowboy in the offseason, and in the regular season, he gets buckets. If mm. anybody hasn't actually watched him play, go 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 flip on some some Baylor yeah. highlights. You'll you'll have a good dude time. dude has stupid range. Six six sophomore, get get on board. So the East region that doesn't have me terribly excited. I will I will actually be at the Elite Eight for the East region in Philadelphia. So. From a scouting perspective, I am rooting for Baylor and Purdue. I know for a fact that's not going to happen because that's been the story of my life for, you know, 28 years now. So it is what it is. But we can talk about Baylor and we can talk about Purdue because we know the prospects. We know Kendall Brown, Jeremy Sohan, and, and Jay Nivey, respectively. The one game, I think this could be the best first-round game on the board. We did not talk about it last night on the stream. I thought about it. I'm like, oh, shit. We actually did not mention North Carolina and Marquette at mm. any point. That is a fantastic game. Maybe not necessarily because of what's going on on the North Carolina side, although I think they're going to win that game as we get through some predictions here. But Marquette, Rucker, we've been cooking the Justin Lewis stock yes, we have, and those ceilings baby. for quite a while. And you know what? Maybe it's time for that stock to come off the slow boil, and now it's time to, to really turn up the heat. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm I'm all in on the Justin Lewis train. I, I really do think he's going to end up a first round pick. Um, I think that game, I think that game could do a lot for Justin Lewis's draft stock. I, I think he's got the shot to have a really good performance against North Carolina. If he can do that, you know, I don't think it's out of the question for him to be a top twenty five pick, if not higher. So. You know, it, it, that's going to be a fun one. I, I'm really excited to watch that game. I think that 8-9 is going to be really good matchup. You know, even Caleb Love with North Carolina, I'm going to be intrigued to watch. I've been intrigued to watch him all year. Um, 
Baycott with North Carolina. I still have a, I just love the way he plays. And, Brady you know, Manic just, just can't seem yeah. to freaking miss from three point range. So it's going to be a good game for Justin Lewis and, Mar- and Marquette. I, I think, you know, I'm just intrigued with his game, the strides he's taken all year, where it, the outside shot's really coming along. He's a force. His lower body is the most confusing thing ever. He has a lower body of a seven foot five guy, and he's just, he's just a brick shit house. So I'm pretty excited to see what he can do against the Tar Heels. What about you guys? Yeah, I think. I think Justin Lewis has a legitimate chance to really, really win a lot of people over and possibly start creeping up, not only into that first round conversation, but closer, even more so to the top 20, especially if he has a good game against yep. that North Carolina front court, which is a giant in Armando Baycott. They have a little bit more size up front, but even some of the forwards that they have, like Brady Manic, like Leaky Black, they have some interesting guys that they can throw on him defensively so a mismatch type of forward that Justin Lewis is supposed to be a guy who can stretch you out to the perimeter and pick and pop situations but he can also use some of that footwork to get downhill and get to the basket finish over you I'm I'm really intrigued to see what he does in that game I'm going to pick North Carolina but yeah and 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 another chance for for Caleb Love to really make a statement as well Steven in this region who is the prospect that you're excited to see the most out of the whole oh, region man. you get you got your choice buddy oh man out of the whole region you say we got a uh, lot you, you know what yeah i know that's what <laughs> that's why i'm like uh i got two if i'm gonna cheat go uh, ahead hi jaime hawk is a junior i know oh, a lot boy. of guys on no ceilings are high on him personally i'm not you know I, i'm probably one of the lower guys i don't know where metcalf has him, but i know that he and i both are lower on him i personally need to see him more in some of these what figured to be marquee matchups coming out of this region at the later stages if UCLA is able to advance. I'm interested to see him. And then I think Tevin Brown is a very interesting prospect out of Murray State. Uh, He has the potential to be one of these kind of steals as a second-round prospect because he does a lot of things very well for his team, but I think he's going to earn money in the NBA if he does by being a floor spacer and a kind of a connective tissue type player who's able to make smart reads on the offensive end. Defensively, he's no slouch either. I think he's actually a little underrated on that end. So those are two names that I'm keeping an eye on moving forward out of that region, Nathan. I actually do remember where Metcalf had Hawkeyes ranked because I just did a lot of the composite board work. He's given Corey the big fat middle finger by having Hawkeyes 60th overall on his board. That, that, I think that's I, what so. I, I think I have him lower. You have him lower than sixty. I, I have him uh, lower than sixty. Corey, Corey's got a bone to pick with you too. I'll, I'll tell you. And I love Corey. Corey. I love Corey. It's nothing against him. I just Hawkeyes just doesn't do it for me, man. All right, I'm gonna kick off making the picks in this region. So I got I got Baylor over Norfolk State. I do have North Carolina winning that game against Marquette. I have St. Mary's in a dangerous five twelve, especially if Indiana wins that game and they get in. Trace Jackson Davis, a riser for one Tyler Rucker. I know that he's going to be watching that game with a lot of intrigue. I got UCLA over Akron. Virginia Tech upsetting Texas with how hot they've been. I'm going to pick them for an upset. Got Purdue over Yale. Murray State over San Francisco. And Kentucky over St. Peter's. Shout out to Ty Ty Washington. I didn't mention him as one of the top prospects. But obviously, he he will have a lot of eyeballs on him in this tournament run. Baylor over North Carolina, UCLA over St. Mary's, Purdue over Virginia Tech, 
And I got Tevin Brown and the Murray State Racers actually beating Kentucky to go on a little bit of a Cinderella Sweet 16 run here. I, I, I Yeah, I, I'm with everybody else. He is a very fascinating and exciting player. I might not have him in the top 45, but at the same time, I think he's great value anywhere in like the mid to late second round of the draft. I got UCLA upsetting Baylor to go to the Elite Eight. Then I have Purdue over Murray State with Purdue to the Final Four. Steven, who you got? I, I love your pick so far, man. I got Baylor over Norfolk. I'm going to bet against logic and go with my gut and pick Marquette, although I do understand that front court matchup that you laid out. Just something tells me that Marquette's going to win. I got St. Mary's winning as well. UCLA over Akron. I got Texas advancing. I got Purdue. San Francisco and Murray State playing in the first round is a crime. I think that both of those should have had at least an opportunity to play against some some bigger names. I'm going to go with San Francisco, though. And then I got Kentucky over St. Peter's. I have Baylor over Marquette. I have St. Mary's losing to UCLA. Purdue beating Texas. And then Kentucky over San Francisco. I also have UCLA beating Baylor. And I have Purdue beating Kentucky. And that's a fun matchup between Tati and uh, Jay Nivey there. And then I have Purdue beating UCLA to advance to the Final Four to face off against UConn. Rucker, you got anything different? No, I don't like that you guys are copying my picks. I, okay, so I have uh, I have Baylor beating Norfolk State. Quick shout out, a kid I used to coach in Europe plays for Norfolk State. He's banged up. He won't be playing in that game. But Euro Sidibe, shout out, buddy. Proud that you guys made the tournament. Um, I have Marquette over UNC. St. Mary's. I have one in that 5-12 game, UCLA. Then I've got Texas over Virginia Tech, Purdue over Yale, Murray State and Tevin Brown over San Francisco, Kentucky winning that game. And then I've got, going back up, I've got Kentucky over Murray State, Purdue over Texas, UCLA over St. Mary's, Baylor over Marquette. And then just like you guys, I've got UCLA over Baylor. I think that's a real shot. I've got Purdue over Kentucky, and then I've got Purdue beating UCLA to move on. All right, so it's time, gentlemen. We got to give our final four and our championship picks. So, Rucker, you're the guest. Go through your final four. Give us your champion. My final four is Gonzaga and Purdue playing each other and Arizona and Auburn. And I've got, surprise, surprise, Gonzaga and Arizona going on Mm. with the Arizona Wildcats as your national champions with Kirk Creesa going berserk and running around the stadium. Thank you very much. Nice. I love that. Yes. And all West Coast affair from the guy who practically lives on the West Coast. Surprise, I surprise. I thought they were going to win it forever. This is the most exciting Wildcats team I've seen forever. So, yeah, I'm pretty pumped about this. Steven, what do you got? UConn losing a, a tough bout against Purdue. And then I got Arizona beating Kansas. <laughs> Rucker, and then I still I had... can't believe you have UConn in the final. They were kidding. <laughs> no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm dead punk. serious. Uh, Do I look like a guy who's kidding right now? Yeah. Um, okay. I got to work on my. I gotta no, work no, on I'm, my kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm no, kidding. No, it's fine. I, I got it. I'm gonna cry myself to sleep anyway. Um, <laughs> Arizona beating Kansas for the people who didn't hear that over me getting made fun of, and then I have Arizona beating UConn, 
Oh my god! So usually when everybody picks the same national champion, they bow out in like the second round. So I'm getting I'm getting really nervous about this Arizona team all of a sudden. Yeah, but for sure. They lose to sure. Seton Hall. Could yeah, probably will game. happen. Probably will happen. So I have Texas Tech against Purdue on one side. I have Purdue beating Texas Tech, and then I have Arizona beating Auburn on the other side. And I also have Arizona beating Purdue in the national championship to win it all. Welcome and now, Nathan. I'm just, now I'm just really scared. I'm so terrified of my bracket now. Welcome to the hype train, Nathan. Listen, I, I, I mean, mean, it's not like Arizona is it like probably one of the best teams coming into this. They're they're even bigger with Kirk Creasy being hurt. Like they they're a matchup nightmare at every position. They're they're one of the biggest teams I think I can remember in in, in recent memory in terms of college. And they're skilled big too. They're not just like let's take turns posting up against you know our matchup they're they're all skilled they have they have like six nba guys potentially that i can count off the top of my head and then i was even looking through the roster last night they have they have some intriguing six 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 seven freshmen waiting in the wings to possibly break out of sophomores too so they you got a lot of talent in your wildcats rucker you, i know and they're all, a, great job. a lot of international flair on that team too like they they yep. recruit everywhere the Euro cats. That's what, that's what they mm-hmm. should be calling them. But yeah, I, I really agree. Um, Adama ball is a, a, a name to keep an eye on for next year, for sure. Um, a six, six guard from France that he's shown some flashes in limited minutes this year, especially in that tournament with Creasa getting hurt. Um, they're going to, they're going to be, they're going to be building a heck of a program that Arizona is going to be back. Tommy Lloyd's going to work. So, and we didn't even mention, <laughs> We didn't even mention Ballo, like backing up. I Coloco love. Ballo, we, did, we didn't right? mention like, Ballo either. Yeah, love Ballo. He plays good. He, he's scary in the tournament because it's like you have no breaks against them on the inside. Well, that's the thing you need with the deep tournament runs. You got to have depth, and, and yeah, I think a lot of teams like one injury could really derail. And Arizona's showing it's like okay, they got guys that can step in and next man up. So you need they bigs, keep their bigs and fresh. You need guard play. <laughs> they keep their bigs fresh throughout the tournament like they they have no shortage of big men that they can play i think what's been so frustrating i mean sorry nathan to interrupt you i think what's been so fascinating with arizona is i think that this the roster build all the pieces complement each other so well like they have the defensive anchor big man they also have the the big next to him that can pass the ball and make playmaking and also stretch the floor then they have just all these guards that could throw at you that have speed, that have shooting, that have defense. So it's been really impressive to see what Tommy Lloyd could do with one year. And obviously like Matherin returned and helped and stuff, but you know, he had to recruit his butt off in a limited time and, and he took some swing on some international guys and it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see them. And you know, of course, Keegan Murray. So yeah, I had to get one more in. I had to one, get one, one, one more. You had to just slip it right in there. That's going to do it for this episode of Draft Deeper Bracketology. Boys, this was a very fun episode. I can't wait to do this a few more times over the coming weeks. Rucker, you do it every time you're on this podcast. Give the big plug. I'm at NoCeilingsNBA.com, and it is getting crazy over there. This week is going to be... A big one. Um, we got big boards. We got mock drafts. We got a lot of articles that I'm really pumped to read from some of the guys on the team. Um, I know our our legend of Alex is making his return to the ring, so I'm pretty pumped about that. And Let's go. Things are heating up, too. Um, make sure you guys are going to be following our YouTube channel because we're going to be having breakdowns and highlights of 
a lot of prospects, especially as uh, the tournament progresses and, you know, some season ends. So the pre-draft is coming and, and we're going to be heating up like crazy. So thank you, Nathan, for having me on as always. Steven, I'm pumped to uh, keep doing this with you as the new co-host. And Thank you, sir. Let's get after it. Everything that you could expect in terms of draft coverage, we're doing at times 10 and no ceilings. I mean, we have written content planned every single day for the next two weeks during the tournament because Steven's going to debut his writing on Sunday. I'm going to be sneaking in for the next two weeks. So I'm going to preview every round of the tournament. I got to sneak in the Saturday piece. I got to talk about the next slate of games over the weekend. So I'm, I'm going to be writing on the weekends. That's that that's new for me in terms of publishing on a Saturday, but let's go. Let, let, let's get it. Like, the late Friday night grind, I'm, I'm all about it. And as Rucker said, in terms of video content, we have so much in the pipeline from now till the draft, even past the draft. We're already starting to make plans for summer league. So we got, we have so many things cooking in the pipeline. I cannot wait for all of you guys to see it. But Steven, you got to plug all your stuff now, my friend. We, we got to make sure everybody knows if they're following me at Draft Deeper, they're following you where you're at too. You're in for the ride, buddy. Well, yeah. So, you know, for all the listeners out there, you're going to have to get used to hearing my voice on a more <laughs> consistent basis here. And uh, I'm excited to be a part of Draft Deeper. Uh, I listen to the show on the regular, even before I was a part of No Ceilings. Like, I would tune in to listen to you guys talk all the time, and I, I took away a lot. And you guys have really helped me in, in the draft process as well. So, you're going to be able to hear me on Draft Deeper on a regular if you want to follow me on social media i'm most active on twitter at steven that's with a ph so steven g hoops and you can find written work coming soon at no ceilings i'm coming at you i'm gonna kind of be like the weekend warrior over here at no ceilings and i can't wait to take up that mental let's go we we we, we kind of always needed a weekend warrior and steven being the eager beaver that he is just wanted to jump in he just wants to help us whatever they can't he can stop do. me they can't stop me. They can't stop you. Whatever whatever we need, Steven wants to do it. And that's a big reason why I think everybody was so excited with having him on board. He's grown so much over the last year. I've been following all of his content. I was reading his Substack. I was listening to his podcast. Just the tremendous amount of growth. I think it's, it's an honor for me to be able to have somebody like that on as a regular co-host week in and week out. So I'm I'm excited to have you on board, Stephen. We're going to do big things here at Draft Deeper. We're going to do even bigger things at No Making Seals. history. We're we're making history. But you can find me on Twitter as always at Draft Deeper. You can subscribe to the Draft Deeper podcast wherever you get your podcast: Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube. Make sure you're subscribed to the Substack once again. NoSealingsNBA.com. Get ready for the ride. It's going to be a wild one. Later this week, we're going to have. The debut of Steven's board on Draft Deeper. I'm very excited for that one. I'm giving Steven the reins for that podcast. I'm letting him go wherever he wants to go with that podcast. We're going to talk through his board. We're going to he's going to give all of his thoughts on some top guys. I'm I'm here for it. Yeah, where we're going, we don't need roads when it comes to my big board. So oh, I'm excited. Boy. I'm excited to unveil it, man. It's oh, it's going to be more consistent. It's going to be more fun. And you guys get to listen to, to Nathan's reactions to, to some of my takes. We're going to talk Tori Eason. 
We're going to talk oh, Ishmael Kamagate, oh and there's not a thing anyone can do about it. So I'm, I'm fine with Kamagate. That. I love Kamagate. I had a okay. Banger, okay. banger podcast with, with Rafael Barlow over at, over at NBA Big Board. Yes, you did. Until then, thank you all for tuning in, as always, and I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week.